Hey guys, I'm Amy Weber Unleashed. I'm so excited. I've wanted to do this for a really, really long time. I know a lot of people don't know a lot of things that have happened in my life, and I think it's time just to become an open book and really share some of the struggles and the things that I've gone through and gotten out of, and hopefully there'll be some funny stories, some uplifting stories, and um, probably some real shit, <laughs> shit show stuff that's going on, but um, I'm extra thrilled today to have Natalie Tangerlini with me. Thank you so much for coming on to my very first podcast. Thank you for having me. I'm very excited to be here. Absolutely. So what's it like living in Las Vegas? Well, um, it's great to be honest with you. I've been here for 10 years and I can't see myself living anywhere else to be honest with you. Really? I say that about the beach. I always say like the beach is a kind of place that you go and visit, but I didn't want to live there. And mm -hmm. I kind of felt the same about Vegas, but I've been here now a couple times and I just feel like the energy here is just out of this world. I mean, people save up for years to come out here and do what we do on a regular basis. Like my backyard is the strip, you know, like I can go there whenever I want. I don't go all the time because it's exhausting. <laughs> yeah. um, but I mean, it's so normal in Vegas and people don't realize that there's so much normalcy. Um, the residential areas are great. I mean, there's so much community and culture out here. People don't really realize it. So for the locals, it's it's a great place to live. Yeah, absolutely. So tell me a little bit about, about your background, how you ended up in the United States, because I know you were born, you were not born here. Correct. Yeah. So I was born in Argentina. And when I was three, my family decided to basically just pick up and move. And we didn't really have that many connections in the States and or money or anything. So we came here <laughs> with a uh, visitor's visa with like pots and pans. And, you know, obviously we're not just coming to visit. We're coming here to live. Wow. <laughs> so we came and, you know, uh, years and years later, just like kind of figuring it out. Um, we became citizen. I became a citizen at 21. Oh, my gosh. So I, you know, it's not that long that I've been an American citizen. So that's a privilege. And I'm very honored to finally be one. And I came to Vegas 10 years ago to pursue my career in showbiz. Okay. I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't know anything about it because social media was not like it is now. Right. You can't just be like, I'm going to look up shows. <laughs> I'm going to look up auditions. It was literally like you have to go network. You have to go take classes. You have to go show face. Um, I would walk the strip by myself when I first moved here and just wow. be like, okay, that casino has a show. Write this down. That casino, you know, like I would just like figure it out. I love that. You know, I own a modeling agency. I had about 400 models on my roster in Los Angeles. And I was wrestling for the WWE at the same time. That's amazing. And I always said, and I wrote a book also at the same time. And it was really, it's called An Insider's Guide to Making It in Show Business. And I, it was always, I, I was so shocked sometimes by the babysitting job that I would have to do for some of these models and actors because they would show up for some really big auditions and have, you know, back in the day you had to have a headshot, you had to have a portfolio, you had to have your resume and they would show up with empty handed thinking these entitlement issues like, well, I'm just so damn cute, right? That mm -hmm. I'm just gonna get the job. And I thought it's a business. If someone showed up to fix your toilet and they didn't have a single effing tool on them, are you gonna let them in your house? Absolutely of course not. not. They're a murderer. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's like, it's not normal. So it's so nice to see people that still take it as a business and treat it like a business. So good for you. Oh, yeah. I still bring a headshot and resume, even though they tell me not to. Just because right. I'm just so used to that after doing this for so long. Like, that's just part of my, you know, my routine. Absolutely. So what was it like when you became a U.S. citizen? What was that like? Because I always think, you know, what are the questions? Do they even relate to anything that 
you know, we here know about the United States? Did you have to study for it? Oh, yeah. It's like flashback to middle school, um, you know, history class. That's basically the questions they ask you. They ask you about like the presidents and the first like, you know, the first states and the whole things you learn in like social studies. Sure. You know, but then they do ask you personal questions. So if anybody in your family has any like history, like, you know, criminal history or all that good stuff, they'll ask you. And then they ask you kind of like interrogation questions. And it's really intimidating. It's one really? of the scariest situations you can be a part of. After you pass, though, you all go to this convention. We went to the convention. Um, what is it? Los Angeles Convention oh, the Center. Convention Center. Yeah. yeah. So they had like, I don't know, 10,000 people in there. And then one by one, we get the flag and we wave it and they like, oh my you know, God, do, they, do, they, make you say, do they say the Pledge of Allegiance? No, no they, <laughs> just, they just call your name one by one, like graduation. Okay. And then you just grab your certificate and you're just like, oh. but honestly becoming a citizen, like immigrants live in fear, like no, no joke. Like we have to be sure that the jobs, if we don't, you know, have a green card or a resident or anything, you have to kind of work under the table jobs or you're just put in situations that you don't really want to be a part of. So to become a citizen is just so easy. You know, you just, you're a weight, a lot of weights taken off your shoulders. That's for sure. Wow. And you can do anything you want in a sense. That's amazing. Any job, you can go anywhere in the world. Mm -hmm. I think people that are born here probably really take that for granted. I agree. Yeah, for sure. I agree. So it's interesting. So, you know, we have all of these, um, you know, hot button topics now about immigration, immigration reform. And I think the interesting part is that, you know, if people really understood and you hear a story like yours and understand just like what being in America means to you and you studied for it and just mm-hmm. that feeling that it gave you, like, I'm not, I'm not saying like, you know, Billy Bob down in Tennessee. I don't think he's necessarily feeling the same way no. about our country and basically the freedoms that it affords us. So, um, so good for you. And it's expensive. It is very People expensive. People don't realize how expensive it is. Um, we had to do it twice because we had a problem the first time we applied. And rather than like deporting us or something, they were like, all right, we'll give you another opportunity. You just have to reapply and repay for everything. So we had to do it twice. And you need attorneys, right? Do you have, have, do you have to have attorneys or no, you can do it on your own? Uh, I think you do it on your own, but I think you have to have a sponsor. Okay. It's been so long, I can't remember. But yeah, it's been. A, I think you have to have a sponsor. That's true. I had models that were coming from different countries that always asked me to sponsor them and mm-hmm. see if they could get get in the country exactly oh my goodness so are you so i hear that you are are you one of the new raider at cheerleaders i am yeah so we are um in the process of starting all over again with that which is really exciting so we should be starting practices soon and we're starting appearances so we're just all excited for the season that's incredible Mm -hmm. i remember going to gymnastic camp and cheerleading camp so i can only imagine what that audition process was like for you. Do you know how many girls, do they have guys also? Is it just girls? That I know of, guys did audition this year. Because um, a few of my friends did congratulate me after they, because they announced who made the rounds. And they're like, oh, I auditioned, congratulations. And I had no idea they accepted male, you know, yes. applicants. But I think it's great that they did. And 1,500 people, I think, auditioned. Oh and only gosh. 32 spots. So what do you do? So the how many how many different rounds? Because like when I got into the WWE, I was in a diva search. So we had many many different rounds and many different things that we had to kind of like pass through. Um, and 
I didn't take it that seriously because, again, same thing. I think probably like, you know, whatever, 5,000 people started out. And then they slowly started weeding through these girls. And then I found myself in the top 10, which was just really odd. They're like, yes. yes. <laughs> but um, so do you start out and you have your own uh, sort of dance prepared? Or do they immediately teach you that choreography that you have to pick up? So I'm only speaking from my personal experience because it's been different throughout the years. So okay. we went through the COVID audition process, Uh-oh. which was... Was that a Zoom? So it was apply. They will show you a... Give you a routine to learn and then by on Friday. And then by Monday, you should have that filmed and submitted. Okay. After that, that's the first round. Second round was a... I believe it was an interview. Okay. But it was a pre-recorded questions on their end. It was seven questions, I believe. They were like a minute long to respond. Oh my so gosh. you can read it, analyze it, think it through, and then you had to answer and film yourself. That was so nerve-wracking. It's like a beauty it's, patch. It's <laughs> worse than like having a face-to-face interview because you're just like talking to a computer. You know? Right, right. So they can't really read your energy as well and... It's just, I completely answered, a, I, to me, I answered a question wrong. Okay. But I was so committed that answering it wrong that I just kept going with it. And then afterwards, I was like, oh, my, oh my gosh. gosh. What? <laughs> what? I walked away um, and told my boyfriend, like, I didn't, I'm definitely going to get cut. Like, I totally answered wow. something completely wrong. Do you have to know about football? Is that a prerequis- mm-hmm. prerequisite? Oh, you do? Yeah. So, I mean, the more you know, the better you actually have, you know, better experience you have because you actually can connect with players in the sense of like oh I know them I'm rooting for them you have like a connection you can't like hang out with the players or talk to the players right. but that is yeah. a no-no right you're that not is, allowed to date or fraternize no-no. with the mm-hmm. I love that you know what I kind of love I've always been I raced motorcycles when I was a little kid oh my so. gosh what you I love yeah, it you're just crazy like- <laughs> I've, I've lived a, a million lives what haven't you just way people what this hasn't is, she done yeah, exactly <laughs> um so even though I love sports and I was in gymnastics I never really got into much that didn't have you know an engine or wheels although I always enjoy the Super Bowl so it's always interesting to me how um you know women's roles have definitely changed when it comes to sports and the fact that people are giving women a lot more credit that they can truly understand you know how many downs it takes and you know what I mean like Mm -hmm. really really the whole you know inner workings of a sport I actually have a really really good friend and she was a raider at cheerleader back in the day, she was a Dallas Cowboy cheerleader. She was the very first, if not only, female sports recruiter for the Lakers. Oh, wow. Which is kind of amazing to go from being a cheerleader, so you're sort of on that side of it, and this has been quite a while ago, to then now, you know, recruiting for the Lakers. I mean, we've really come a long way. We really have, and then the first ref, right? We had. That's right. Mm -hmm. And then the first female kicker, punter, so oh, we are looking good. I had my first taste of sports entertainment when I used to cheer for the Vegas Golden Knights. And I had no idea how much went into a game until yes. I started working for for a franchise like that. It's right. incredible. Yeah, no, it is definitely a very well-oiled machine, I'm sure. Just like with us with the WWE, I mean, the amount of semi-trucks that bring oh, yeah. everything to the arena. We have to, like, all the pyro, we have to take it down. Put it, well, I didn't personally take it down and put it back up. But um, I always thought it was really funny. I remember asking, like, what's in this this particular truck? And they're, like, tanning beds. <laughs> I was like, really? Because we need to be tan on the road? I mean... You know what I mean? I like, mean, that's thoughtful. There's a lot of steroids that go on in that particular, like in wrestling, I remember someone saying, um, you know, do you, do you want some steroids? And I'm like, and what, what would that do? And it's like, well, it's hard to stay, you know, in shape when you're on the road. 
And I'm like, I don't know. That just doesn't feel right. And he goes, I swear it won't make you grow a penis. I was like, and that makes me feel much better. Yeah, yes, please can I have too. I mean, like, yeah, <laughs> priorities, right? Right. Like, you're going to be buff, but you might have a little bit of a wiener. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> I think I'll pass on that one. Me too. For sure. Yeah, definitely. So how was that experience for you? It was interesting. I always say, and I don't mean this in a derogatory way, I always say it was the closest thing to being in a circus. And that's only because you are on the road nearly 365 days out of the year. And so um, I know I was listening to something about Pink the other day, the singer, and she was saying, I no longer say, you know, hey, Boston. I, like, I will not say the mm. city because we just didn't know where we were. Because I would go home, pack, repack, and get back on a flight. So it's just, you're always on the road. You know, you try to make that a part of your family. It was very much a boys club when I was there. So no matter how much respect I gave, I don't know that I felt like I was getting an equal amount of respect back. I'm a very strong woman. I've been through a lot. And so I kind of feel like, you know, if I'm treating someone well, they should pretty much reciprocate that and mm -hmm. I didn't necessarily get that so it ended up sort of badly but I have to say every experience in our life I do believe we're meant to go through mm -hmm. good or bad and it's up to us mentally whether we're going to take that and we're going to turn it into something that is a way of growth or we're going to let it basically bury us and so it's a really big reason I want to do this podcast is because I see these people in the world and I see I had cancer twice. That's another situation. Wow. And I remember understanding just how strong our brains are and how we can really make ourselves sick and how stress, right, mm -hmm. is making so many people sick. And I thought, well, gosh, the opposite is always true. So there's got to be a way for me to somehow figure this out mentally. And I started doing it. Every night I would visualize my cancer as an apple. And I would eat away at that cancer. And so when I went in for my surgery, it was interesting because my surgeon was like, something's not right here. He kept looking, right? Right. I knew I had, I had basically eradicated some of the cancer. And that was literally three months. It took me three months. And I thought if I really focused, right? So if we can really just focus on how we get information and emotions, how we process all of this, I feel like we might just have a little bit easier time of it. You know what I mean? Yep. We because, just have a lot of distractions too. Yeah, and That's it's just so, a lot of stress is so self-imposed. We cannot control other people, right? We can go around like knock people out, you know, and be all like aggro all the time. Or we can basically make the decision that whatever information comes to us, how are we going to process that? Because that's the only thing we can control, right? We can't right. control assholes. Mm -mm. They're going to be there. They're, They're going to be there today, tomorrow, the next day. And so it's it's a matter of are we going to let them affect us? Um, I always laugh when people like will block people on social media because I think I'm like, why would you block them? Like, let them see your effing success. Like, that's so ridiculous to me. Like, exactly. I'm blocking you. <laughs> yeah. Like, really? I wouldn't block anybody. I'm just like, <laughs> watch me succeed. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's so funny. Yeah. So I, how is it with the, with the totally off topic, how is it with the other Raiderettes or do you get along? Because I know for me in the female locker room, there was a little bit of animosity that would happen. Does that happen? Or are you guys really just close? We are actually just really chill girls. Like we were kind of talking about the other day. It's like everyone just gets along. That's great. But honestly, like we haven't been around each other that, that much because of COVID. Right. But 
they're great groups of girls. Like all of them are amazing. They all have something. Uh, they're all star that they bring into the the job and the, the position, and everyone has something to offer. So, I mean, they're they're all great. That's fantastic. And then you both you all have obviously that's not your main gig. Mm-mm. That's just something that you do. Um, so, is it hard to juggle sort of both? I've gotten used to it. I have been juggling since I got into showbiz. Okay. And <laughs> yes. Las Vegas has like 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 you wear many hats and you are you know an actor in a sense, like you are this one day, the next day you're this person, you know what I mean? The same thing with showbiz in Vegas. I work with a bunch of different production companies out here um, and we just do like private events or we do production shows for, you know, the the casinos or an event that's happening here in town. So I seriously will figure it out. I will just juggle it and be like, okay, I can do this. I can do that. I can't do this. So it's okay to say no. People are scared to say no. Sometimes they have fear of loss and it's okay to be like, I am not available because there's no way I can pull that off. So do people understand? So as a cheerleader, do you travel with the, with the team? Oh, Mm -hmm. you don't, you only do home games. Correct. And so people that you work with just know that these are the dates that you're not available. Yeah. And I'm 100% freelance performer. So I don't accept a job that conflicts with that. I used to do, you know, I've always done cocktailing on the side in Las Vegas because it's a great way to make money out here. Yeah. And those are the hardest jobs to ever work with because, you know, you are replaceable. Same, I'm sure in LA, every job they treat you like you're replaceable. So once you have a job, it's like you seriously feel like you have to do everything above and beyond for them, but they can replace you in a second. So to them, you're just disposable, but you know, it's one-sided. Yeah, showbiz, any kind of career, I feel like. So, um, what was I going with this? I don't remember. But so basically, yeah. So, so well, I mean, you just know that. You oh know. yeah, like those jobs, I could not request days off or anything. So now I'm just like, I'm not doing that. I'm just freelancing, so I don't have that headache of juggling anymore. Right. No, oh, it's so true. I know. I was talking to to Jono before um, before we started, and I was saying, you know, with real estate. You know, it's like you'll sell someone's house for, um, you know, a million dollars over asking and then they'll say, well, you know, you probably could have sold it for another, you know, two million over asking. And, um, you know, and, and then the way that you get treated in that, no matter how amazing you are and how top of the game that you are, you also feel replaceable. Mm-hmm. And I kind of thought, like, gosh, is there any job in the world and I'm my own boss. I mean, I'm a broker. I could open my own business, but I want to hang my license with the A to C because I like the networking and the global networking that, you know, basically exists within that company. But is there any job that people just, you're like, that's doormat status is like not even a thing? I haven't found it yet. The only thing I, I mean, freelance work, that's because I say yes to the job and then right. like, you know, there's a contract and it's a two-way right sure, there but sure. I don't think so I don't think so I feel either. like there's so much competition and everyone's so hungry and greedy and they're just well undercut you with fees and you know it's crazy always a way to get you out there and you're always re- it's so I know there's it's so interesting way when I was modeling there, unfortunately there was this girl I won't say her name um <laughs> but they would call her the discount Amy Weber which was so I didn't know this at the time oh, that they no. were calling her this but it was like well, if you can't afford Amy Weber, if she's not available, you can get this sort of discounted model. And I thought, oh, my God, that's just <laughs> disgusting. Yeah. yeah, that someone would actually say that situation. Does she know that she was? I think she knew. <laughs> yeah. She's like, who cares? But she was I cool. I think she wore like with a badge of honor you right. know, at that point because, you know, I was having some success in that industry. But 
Um, I mean, even being like background, doing like background work, um, I did one featured extra. That was it. And that was the opening credit of Baywatch. So I'm one of the girls that was running down the beach in the freezing cold water. And I just remember thinking, okay, this isn't so bad until the one of the ADs was just like, all right, background strip. And I'm like, what the fuck did you just say to me? Like, yeah. I'm not even from New York. I'm like, did he just tell us to strip? Like, like what is this situation? They started treating us like cattle. Mm-hmm. And even though we were getting paid extra, we're featured extras. I'm like, no, man, oh. I just can't. They don't care. They just do whatever they have to do to get the shot. I had like, well, I do that too. I do acting on the side. Okay. And, you know, if I don't get the principal role, I'll be like, okay, I'll do the extra or the featured extra just to like be a part of the project and network and be there, you know, yeah. be present. And we had this one gig and it was the movie Show Dogs. Okay. And they filmed here in Las Vegas in the winter and they had, I don't even know, 300 extras. And we're supposed to have this like gala appearance party in the summertime in the winter. It was freezing. It was like 20 degrees outside, 20, 30 degrees at night because it was an, you know, right. um, overnight shoot. And they did not treat the extras well. The next day, not even half showed up. Really? That's how bad they treated everybody. Oh, that poor continuity woman that has to basically deal with oh, the continuity. Oh, the text messages of like, we need extras, we need extras. And the next day, they, of course, they changed their tone a little oh, bit. Oh, they had some blankets and they had some blankets shawls. and they let us have our jackets when they weren't shooting. They weren't letting us like cover ourselves when they were just like in between shots either. It was, you got to treat your people right, you know? You do. You have to treat them right. No matter what, no matter what they're, you're getting paid. And I always said, you know, look, even when I would go in an audition, you know, even the assistant is a human being mm-hmm. and they should be treated with dignity and respect because look, in five years, they could be the vice president of Fox. You never know. You never know where someone is going. And so, and, and not even ulterior motives treating someone badly, just why do people treat people so shitty nowadays? I don't know what happened. I mean, I just look, obviously I'm older and you know, I'm not saying like our generation was super polite and yes, ma'am, no ma'am, but, but something is happening where people have just stopped the civility in the world. And I'm just trying to put my finger on it. I was saying to someone, just the world's a little upside down. Mm -hmm. I don't know how to right side it up other than I guess to, I've got twins and they're 12 and they're lovely human beings. And so it's like, I guess my contribution is to model behavior mm-hmm. that they will basically grow up to um, be respectful and, you know, show people dignity and not see color and not, you know, don't see skin yep. color. And so I guess that's really at this point, other than me personally, just being kind and maybe just bringing some light to some of these situations, maybe through the podcast. Yeah, um, that's the best thing you can do. That's all we can do. That's how we learn. We learn through experiences. Yeah. You can be told so many times, but if you personally don't live through it, then right. you won't know. No, absolutely. And I, you know, it's, 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 uh, it is interesting, you know, doing the podcast because when I was going through chemotherapy, I would show up for jobs and they were kind of like snarky girls that would be like, oh, she's here. She's going to book it. And little do they know, you know, it's like my hair is braided because part of it fell out last night. I have no idea. And they had no idea. It's envy and 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 oh you know she's mm-hmm. so oh look at look she's so lucky you know her parents must be like and i'm thinking yeah we, we were really poor at one point we did live in you know uh a mobile home in a mobile home park and and so yeah you never really know what someone else is going through and mm-hmm. 
don't know, we almost should be forced, right, to walk that mile yeah. in someone else's shoes. And then maybe we might just have a little bit of a better attitude toward people. 100%. I mean, we all have our stories. We all have gone through some terrible things. But, you know, you didn't get where you were just by handouts. You worked for it. Oh my gosh. You worked for it. Everyone we worked works for it. Very hard. Yeah. You work very hard. <laughs> yeah. Put yourself out there and you know, people are gonna talk bad because they want to, and people are gonna love you because you're amazing. So you'll have you'll have both absolutely ends of the spectrum. So Yeah, absolutely. So do you have is there a big dream that you haven't yet realized yet? Is there something that you're still wanting to accomplish or are you just sort of seeing where life takes you? Um, seeing where life takes me, I am pushing myself to be in a higher platform than where I am now, as far as like career wise, um, maybe own a production company one day or, you know, I don't know, just, I want to, I want to have assets and like have money work for me one day. So that's the goal. Um, I'm not there yet because I'm still figuring it out because I'm still performing and I'm still in the limelight. I still love that. So once I'm ready to hang that up, focus on something else. Did you have support with your family, like when you decided you wanted to be in the entertainment industry, you wanted to be a dancer? Did you have that support? 100%. My mother's always wanted to be a dancer and a performer, but her parents never let her. Okay. Because it was like a different generation where she was supposed to get married, pop out kids, you know, be a housewife. And when I started to, you know, get my interest, because I was a gymnast as well. Okay. Sit through gymnastics, we had to take dance and then floor routines and this and that. So... Um, I found the love for dance there. And I told my mom, I'm like, she's like, you have to go to college. She like forced me. And I was like, ugh, fine. Um, I'll be a dance major. I got made fun of like crazy. Dance major? What are you going to do with that? Right. <laughs> dance major? Ugh. You know? And I mean, people go to college and get degrees. Do they use them? Absolutely uh, not. Absolutely not. At least I'm actually using my degree in a sense. Like I went to college for dance. I am a performer. Right. You know? So my mom was all about it. Super proud. She like... Everything I do, she just like lives through me, you know. I like, love that. I love that. Mm-hmm. I had literally zero support <clears throat> really? from my parents. Yeah. That yeah, was kind of crazy. That's a whole other what did, story. What did you say to them? You're like, I want to be this. And um, at that time. <clears throat> you know, I think I always knew I wanted to be in the entertainment industry. I think for me, like my reasoning was really wanting to affect people in some sort of way. So whether that was, you know, do a fantastic movie that really touches someone or maybe opens their eyes up to something they didn't realize was so intense or um, do a comedy that, you know, if you're going through, like for me, when I was going through chemo, I would have done anything to just get out of that headspace and be able to escape into another world. Um, So no, they just didn't really consider it a real job. Like most people, Mm -hmm. I remember, um, I came out to California from Illinois by way of Florida, college, Florida. I was raised on a really small corn farm in Illinois and then went co- to college in Florida for a while and then quit and said, just, I'm bored. I was getting A's, but I was just bored. I thought I was going to be a doctor. And so I thought, okay, I'm just going to, I quit college. I took on three jobs and then I just got on the 10 freeway. I didn't know anyone. Mm-hmm. I didn't know where I was going. Mm-hmm. I just thought... <clears throat> If I don't do it, if I just don't get in the car, I'm never going to do it. And I'm kind of living my life for everyone else. I'm trying to just get this approval, this love, like all these things that I didn't really get as a kid. And I thought, well, if I can just make them happy by doing this, the first person to go to college, the first person to have a scholarship to college. And so um, 
you know, even when they're like seeing me on TV, I mean, I got my SAG card within 20 days of being in, you know, LA through a national commercial. That's great. So like, you know, <clears throat> I'm paying off their house and they're seeing me on TV, but yet it's still like, when are you getting a real job? I was like, are you this is a real job. Are you kidding me right now? Yeah. I just paid off your mortgage. Like, and I don't have a real job. So yeah, I don't know. I just think maybe just that particular, um, you know, generation just didn't really understand that you could really make that into a career and a job. But, but yeah. Um, <clears throat> Did they loosen up a little bit? No. As I don't, the years went by? Not really. No. I don't think so. Even as I was acquiring houses as investments and stuff. But I wonder, you know. I think regardless, I think when you're a kid and you just have that burning desire in your heart, I think whether you have that support or not, you're just going to find a way to make it happen. Mm -hmm. I think that's just what artistic kids do, right? Because it's just this passion. It's just, you just need to get it out of you in some way and you can't ignore it. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, I don't know if architects feel that way. I don't know if people that are more of a black and white sort of, you know, thinker feel that way. Maybe they do. I'll have to have some architects on the podcast. Right. And and, and pick their brain. But I feel like they're creative. They have to be creative. They are creative. Yeah, definitely. But they do think a lot of people just, you know, my dad was a doctor, their dad was a doctor, or a dentist, whatever. So we have to kind of follow in that. And I just wonder, you know, <clears throat> what happens when that really wasn't what you wanted to do? So does that affect your home life? Mm-hmm. Are you now not the best husband or best wife or best mother that you could be? Because there's something inside of you that uh, is just missing your calling. Right? 100%. In a lot of ways. I live in regret. They do. And I think that's the worst thing you can do is just, you know, I always say the answer is always no, unless you ask. Mm-hmm. So you just kind of have to ask. And I remember just not me personally, not wanting to live with regret. And I thought, what is the worst thing is that is going to happen is I'm going to go to California. Uh, I'm going to suck. And then I'll just go back to college mm-hmm. and get my, but at least I can say I tried to kind of do it. So hundred percent. Yeah. For that's, sure. that, that's what separated you from the rest. You went for it. Yes. The scariest thing is the fear of rejection and yes. not knowing. Absolutely. And you just went out there and did it. Right. So look at you now. <laughs> I've got my own podcast. She's on the podcast, <laughs> ladies and gents. <laughs> How funny. So um, so when does your season start? When does uh, when do you start? And how long? How many practices do you guys have to do per week? Uh, we start end of the month. Okay. Um, we have three three a week. Three practices mm-hmm. a week. Okay. So we're, we're almost there. We're almost there and then full That's blown great. until. Do you guys do all the ancillary? Like, so for the WWE, we had all these ancillary things that we had to do. So we had um, calendars and we had posters. We had to go on all these different, you know, swimwear photo shoots. Do you guys also have to go through that? We did last year. We did. Um, hoping this year as well, but we don't know yet. Okay. Because of the whole COVID thing, I think they're just probably going to chill on that. I don't know. But yes. Okay. Yeah. If you go to the uh, the arena. Yes. Uh, the stadium. I keep calling it an arena. The stadium. Yes. And you um, do a tour. Yeah. They have such an amazing memorabilia, like museum for all really? the Raiderettes. It's the coolest thing ever. I and they know. have all the uniforms from day one into now, like on mannequins. Oh, my god! And you get to see our locker rooms. But just like the wall of fame and just seeing all 
like the history in front of you. Is and that normal for a stadium? It's not, right? Because I, I did a lot of stadiums for wrestling so. and I don't remember. I don't think so. Unless they just put me in the dungeon because they hated my ass. I don't know. <laughs> no, I mean, it's a brand new stadium. Right. So they took time and made it very special for, for all the Raiderettes. So your friend would probably love it. She's probably on the wall. Your that friend is that's a so mm-hmm. incredible. Yeah, Bonnie Jill. Mm-hmm. She's probably there. And, you know, she'll probably have like, you know, time of her life just walking through it. That's amazing. Mm-hmm. So people can take their kids and their grandkids and be like, I'm really a part of history. 100%. I saw that stadium. They really did a great job. It's gorgeous. It's yeah. so modern, so clean, so crisp. It's beautiful. Wow. Well done. Fantastic. Yes. So um, is there anything that you want to know about me? I'm a lot older than you. Oh, everything. Mm-hmm. Like you just like every time you open your mouth, you're like, oh, I was this. I was that. I was I was like, what? <laughs> yeah. So let me think. OK, so right now, what is your in the podcast? What is your actual like number one career? Because you have different hats. So what are you main? Fo- what's your main focus right now? I do. I mean, I started in the entertainment industry and so started with um, TV and film and movies and commercials and print, um, traveled the world. I've been to probably over 30 countries just doing movies and, um, and, and modeling. And then I ended up a billboard recording artist. So my songs were on the radio. So I have two shorts featured on Romeo's featured on one Sean Kingston is on another one of my tracks so um besides the book and the business um you know the podcast really has my heart right now other than real estate which look I love real estate I love real estate for so many reasons not only can it help people build wealth um it gives people a sense of security Mm -hmm. I did not have a secure home when I was a kid and so um, home is a really charged word for me. It's not just like, oh, yeah, I helped someone get a house. It's like, no, like, I know what it's like when, for instance, when I was sick, I was going through the chemotherapy at Cedar sinai I remember saying to myself, I just want to be home, mm-hmm. right? And so now that I have kids, and if they had a scary thing that happened at school, they'd say, Mom, I want to come home. Or they don't feel good. I want to be home. And I thought, I want to be a part of that. That's important. As sappy and stupid and ridiculous as it is, it's bigger than any commission check that I will ever get, Mm -hmm. is really helping someone with something so important, right? Is to have like super stable, something to come home to that's yours. And not not only that, but then, you know, I ended up owning 10 houses in Los Angeles. Um, I I lived in one, I rented out the others. And so I was able to really just sort of build this empire through real estate because they're not really making too much more of it, especially now that lumber is, you know, whatever. Oh, I know. $20 for a two by four, whatever it is right now. Insanity. Yeah, it is. You're insanity right now. Yeah, it's crazy. (laughs) Yeah, prices are insane. So um, I I might write another book eventually. I think that just coming from an abusive household and kind of getting through that and how I made it through and I didn't make it through it through any type of um, substance abuse or anything. I really went the opposite way. It's really hard to do. It it is hard. I mean, I think um, I don't and I have to look back and I want to really realize like why is it that out of all the paths that I could have taken, you know, after just being so abused and so neglected as a kid, what made me decide no? I'm still I'm enough and I'm still going to go and pursue these things that I deserve instead of I'm worthless, I'm a piece of shit, I'm just going to go ahead and do a couple lines of coke. 
right? Right. Because, and, and, and that escapism that a lot of people sort of go through. So I really would love to, I guess, eventually sort of write a memoir mm-hmm. and kind of explain a lot of the things that I've gone through and how I mentally was able to get through them and maybe inspire other people that might be going through similar, similar things, like there there is a light oh, at the yeah. end of the tunnel. For some people, that switch never really turns on, and yeah. they go a different direction. So to know that that's possible would right. really help a lot of people. I mean, even they me. Show the way. Mm-hmm. I mean, they told me, uh, so my mom was given a drug when she was pregnant that caused my cancer, and it also basically, they said, Stop. at 22 years old, they said, you will never be a mother. What, what drug was it? What was it for? Uh, it was my mom. They thought she was going to have a miscarriage. So they gave her the drug to help to stop the bleeding. And so it went into my developing female organs and basically messed up my DNA. Wow. Yeah. So I'm a DES baby. I'm one of thousands that ended up with cancer after the fact. So, you know, getting to say like, oh, you'll never be a mom. And again, it's like, well, the answer's always no unless you try. Unless you try, yeah. And so um, that's a whole other podcast episode of everything I did to get pregnant um, from just eating really weird shit. <laughs> like, you the, have to what eat. What was the weirdest <laughs> that you can think of? But then you have to eat like this weird charcoal blackened fish thing. Because like there's in certain cultures, they think that black food helps fertility. Okay. This is like, like perusing this tool, like, and like, I'm like, Kate, black liquor. I'm <laughs> just like, you Y'all, know what I mean? Give me all the black food. Anything there you is. can eat between, you know, acupuncture and then, of course, modern medicine. And then I had to put other people's white blood cells into my body to trick my body into thinking that because my body was attacking every time I got pregnant, it was thinking it was cancer again. Oh. And so I had to sort of trick my body, and they're like, it's going to be okay. It's just, it could make you go into cardiac arrest. So we do have a special nurse here ready to restart your heart. I was like, um, sure, like sign me up. I mean, it's just so many things to kind of get through it. Um, Are we cancer free today? We're cancer free. Good. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. I've been in remission for um, 12 years now. Good, good, good. Yeah. Good. Congratulations. Thank you so much. Yes. I mean, I still keep an eye on it. Of course. But it's like, you know, I guess some people would have just said, um, well, you're not, you're, you'll never get pregnant, you know, at 22. And they'll say like, all right, well, I guess that's it, mm-hmm. you know, but it's like, but no, right. You really want, you really want something. You have to Do try, mm-hmm. you have to try and you have to exhaust every single effort out there to make that a, a reality. If that's what you really, really want. So I'm hoping through the podcast that I can maybe inspire some people to, you know? No, yeah. And show, and show them that there's a way. Absolutely. Other than just hearing no. Yeah, yeah. So many doors have said, so many doors have closed saying yes. no. You have no idea. Yes. One will say yes eventually. They will. And it's going to be the right door. Correct. That's the thing. Mm-hmm. I mean, even the real estate right now, it's just this really amazing market that we're having. I mean, I'm getting like 50 some offers on everything that I list and 300,000 over ask all cash, you know, everything. And then, you know, buyers are just getting so disillusioned by it. But I keep telling people, look, you're losing out on certain things because that's not your house. Mm-hmm. Right. Just like with boyfriends, just like whatever it is, it's like you have to just have faith that that right person, that right house is out there waiting for you mm-hmm. and it will present itself because if you accept this other one, you're not going to get to the right one. For just doing it just to do it. Just it's, to do it. It's not going to be the right one. Exactly. Oh, definitely. I agree, I agree 100% on that yeah, one. Yeah. So, um, yeah, so it's interesting. So, so do you think you'll stay in Vegas the rest of your life? I mean, gosh, Vegas to me, I know people think Vegas is this crazy party city. I know there's Summerland, there's a lot of 
you know, um, outskirts of Vegas, do you think you would start a family here or would you I will move? always have a home here. Okay. That's for sure. Um, I don't know about moving. It's just, it's the Mecca here. Everything's coming here. Yeah. And right at this point with like the career that we have for, you know, showbiz and stuff, there's no reason to go elsewhere. Yeah. Um, if LA super close, a flight away, if I have to go get a job out there. Um, but yeah, I don't think I'd move. I love it here. Really? I'm you don't, so you don't, you don't mind the heat at all? Um, the heat. Yeah. I mean, I used to work outside for eight to 10 hours a day. I used to cocktail. Like oh I did. Gosh. That's how I made my living. For, like at a pool, like one of the pool. Yes. Yes. I would be your, your pool cocktail waitress. I would want to work at those just to keep my ass in shape. Oh yeah. It's like an obligation. It's and, an obligation. And it, like you cannot, and, you cannot have a fat ass and, and work there. No. I mean, you can, but. <laughs> you can, but you're not going to get very good tips. Exactly. You have to, you know, maintain your body. But I used to work in the heat. My body at this point rejects it. Like I cannot be in the outside for longer than two hours. Like I literally, I can't. I was like, how did I do this for that's how I am with the cold I was years. raised in Illinois and I went to Canada to become a foreign exchange student and people yeah you can make fun of me <laughs> Canada's basically the U.S. I know whatever out of all the places <laughs> in Illinois Canada is another country okay, okay. like in the well, middle of it is people it is, it is yeah <laughs> our neighbors to the north but we were wait, they use a lot of public transportation I was waiting for the bus I don't know what happened it was just like like, I like fell over because I, my body could not stand the cold. Oh my gosh. Yeah. How cold was it? I, it probably like 20. <laughs> so nothing. That's no, not it was bad. definitely but the still. wind chill factor was probably below zero. Yeah. But I was raised in Illinois. I was the person that literally would take my mother's loaf pans thinking I could create an igloo by the time the sun went down. Yeah. I would get one wall done. <laughs> it's like everything's all rusted. And she's like, fuck. <laughs> now I can't make zucchini bread, you little bitch. It's <laughs> like, <laughs> Girl, do something else, mom. Figure yeah. it out. So, How long were you in Canada for? I mean, not that long as a foreign exchange student. I'm, what you do is like you would go. Look, I did anything to get out of my house. It was a pretty rough, rough situation for me. So, um, so thank you, Canada. Um, <laughs> merci. Um, I was there probably three weeks, and then you would host the person that you went to their house, they would come and sort of live with you and kind of exchange that sort of experience. I just remember like on the table that the cereal was like frosted flocks, which is frosted flakes, <laughs> because I was in the French right. part of it. Um, one of the best parts of Canada, besides just escaping my home life, was you could go down to these head shops. I don't know if you know what these are. I didn't know what they were. No, I don't. They're just like these illegal things that you should not be in, basically, especially when you're like 14. Okay. But you can get um, pretty nice fake IDs. And so that's where I got my fake ID. So then I came home and I was just like the coolest person in school because I could buy everyone a six pack, right? Of like, I don't know what we were drinking, but Paps Blue Ribbon or oh, something. Oh, yeah. <laughs> just get all Paps. Yeah. So for 14, they believed you were 21. Yeah. That's incredible. Yeah. Look, we were in Illinois. They didn't, get, they like, didn't really give a shit about We need the sale. We really don't care. Here, yeah. just have the beer at this yeah, point. Exactly. You're cute. Here, just have it. <laughs> so, yeah. So, Canada was, I mean, it, again, it's interesting because then they come, you know, live with me and they think, how do you have a car? Because I had a car when I was 12. I was driving when I was 12 because I used to race motorcycles. And then I had a job since I was, gosh, I don't know, nine I started. The mm. bus would drop me off and I would babysit these three kids when I was nine. 
And then I worked for a doctor and I was transcribing a bunch of stuff for him. And then I ended up working in a factory, which was illegal. Like you're supposed to be 18. Um, but then I, get, I had my head job, you know, fake IT. Yeah. <laughs> like it didn't just work for getting drunk. She's a hustler. <laughs> I love it. Um, but just anything to make money so that I could be independent and not have to rely on sort of that family situation. Mm-hmm. But um but yeah, it, uh, gosh, it was a kind of a crazy situation. Now I look back on it, I think I would never let my children, you know what I mean? Like do half of the things that I did. Oh yeah. My mother still to this day has no idea the stuff I've done. Like, really? It's, 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 she does now. <laughs> mama, I love you. <laughs> How funny. Are you close with your mom? I am. Yes. That's wonderful. Close to my mama. And, uh, they all live in California. Super okay. close, three, four hours away, depending on traffic. Yeah. And yeah. I mean, we're always constantly in each other's lives and keeping up and I love that videos and, you know, so. Do you think it's good. a cultural thing that, that you stay in, in your family's life? Because like for me, I mean, listen, you know, I was raised in Illinois, I guess, even though my heritage is German, Hungarian, American Indian, um, we're just kind of, you know, white people. And I feel like, you know, for us, maybe it's just my family. We kind of toss people away pretty easily. Okay. Whereas I feel like my husband is Armenian. Oh, yes. So in his culture, different. it doesn't matter what you do. You could slice your brother's throat and they'll be made up the next day. Mm-hmm. So I don't know if that's a cultural thing. 100%. Yeah. It's a huge cultural thing. I think we're not as close because we were a little Americanized. Okay. Got a little whitewashed in a sense, you know? Yes. Um, my family in Argentina are super close. They're all like hang out with each other. So I think it is an American culture. But like then again, there's certain American cultures that everyone's super tight. So just I think depending on where you grew up and the culture around you and the cities. Right. I think that has a huge effect on it. But yeah, Armenians are. Oh, my gosh. No matter. So much fun, too. <laughs> so much fun. <laughs> Yeah, no, he's a really cool guy. Mm-hmm. I, I had no idea he was Armenian. I didn't even know what an Armenian person was when I met him. I mean, I was raised on a farm in Illinois. True. Like, we don't really come across. Did you meet him out in L.A.? Uh, I did. I, I had the modeling agency. He was looking for models. Uh, he had an apparel line. He had a motocross racing team. And so okay. I know I was talking about how I was sending him these models, but he was rejecting every single one. They were the most beautiful women. I mean, really just stunning. He's like, yeah, not so much. I'm like, I don't know what you're looking for. And he's like, yeah, kind of you. Uh-huh. I kind of, I thought, okay, well, I don't do that anymore. So that's right. not going to happen. Um, but anyway, he, he weaseled his way in because I thought he was gay anyways. Um <laughs> And so, yeah, sort of the rest is history. After I I met him, he was just a really nice guy. We became really the best of friends first was our relationship. We were best friends. And then after about a year, everything just sort of changed. So, yeah. That's usually how you create the foundation. It is the best relationship. Relationships. Because Mm -hmm. those lusty relationships, I mean, um, yeah, they burn out in a hot minute real quick. Yeah. I remember <laughs> I remember dating a guy it was so funny. He's a really hot sort of Calvin Klein model. And um, I mean, just hard to look at. He was such a good looking guy. And then he said to me at one point, I think someone's stealing out of my checking account. I'm like, all right, well, how's that working out? And he's like, I don't know. I just all I know is things are just not balancing out. And I thought, well, are you going to the ATM machine? Do you take money out? And he's like, yeah, of course I do every couple of days. And I go, well, are you deducting that part? And he's like, what do you mean? I have to deduct that? I was like, oh, he's pretty. I go, oh my gosh, I just, can't, I can't even look at you. I can't even, look. you need to leave. 
Yeah. I just need to leave immediately. I'm like, really? Mm-hmm. You, well, that's free money because you're cute. Like, what do you think? The bank? My, my, my account's low. How is this happening? How is this happening? No, honey, you have to actually, that's why you, they give you a register. Well, they Aww. used to give you a register back in the day. Like I'm from, you know, the yeah. middle, middle. Yeah, I'm from like I the middle. I know what that is. You know what it <laughs> is? I know what that is. I can't register. <laughs> Where you can actually make your little deductions. Yeah. So, yeah. Those lusty sort of things are they're, not, not long lasting. They're everywhere. Those pretty boys. I'm like, oh. So pretty, but nothing in there. Yeah, we have a saying. It's called "Bless their heart." Bless, bless, bless their, their heart. heart. Yep, I think we say that here too. <laughs> Did you really? Yeah. Oh my god, I thought it was like like a Midwest no, thing. No, bless, bless their heart. Yeah, it's just a nice way of saying like. And I do the fake like petting. Oh, you do? Yeah, I go. Oh, oh, <laughs> they're there. <laughs> and they're clue. They have no idea. It's like I think goes for both women and men. You know, it's, it's true. It's, there's a lot of pretty people out there. Yeah, that just. Which is why I love strong women. I just love women who speak their mind and, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Just go for it against all odds. Just no matter all the naysayers in the world and all the haters in the world, they oh, yeah. just continue down that path. They got that, those layers of thick skin, you know, yes. you have to just keep going. Yeah, no, definitely. I mean, even now, like in my life, I mean, I'm 50 years old and I still literally. How will is have, she 50? Will have, this is hashtag goals, you guys. What you. is this? No, but I fair. still have people in my industry that are just will try to, everything to try to undermine your success. Mm-hmm. They don't really understand it because look, even in the entertainment industry and the real estate, I guess pretty much in almost any industry, sort of the top one to 5% gets all the business. And so you've got all these other people. And sometimes, I mean, I don't mean to be rude. I will call them bottom feeders only because I feel like I've swam to the top and they are pulling, trying to pull me back down Mm -hmm. no matter what. Mm -hmm. And it's like, just stay down there. If you don't have the guts to swim to the freaking top on your own, why are you pulling me down with you? Rise with me. You never know. Yes. What we can even probably offer each other when you get there. But don't cut me along the way. Don't cut me. Like, I'm so happy to help anyone. Mm -hmm. I'm so happy to uplift anyone. If I have a connection, if I have, you know, um, any type of life experience that I can give someone. I've had people on my team that literally, oh, my gosh, gave them the keys to the castle. Like, this is what you do. And people like like, you're giving away your trade secrets. I'm like, I want her to be successful. You know what I mean? And she's telling me about her boyfriend's problems in the bedroom. And she's telling me all her problems with her mom and dad. And then I have one bad day where I basically am like, oh, this is tough. I'm having a bad day because my husband has this friend that wasn't taking COVID seriously. I'm a cancer survivor. Now I got to go to a hotel. It was just like, and then she's like, you wasted 15 minutes of my Valentine's. I was like, I'm sorry. Was I not just talking about your impotent boyfriend the other day like and I god forbid took 15 minutes you know what I mean she's like you're a terrible leader I'm like okay you just closed 10 deals with me and you had zero for three years so I suck clearly she sounds like a delightful human being (laughs) yeah again like these entitled yes these sort of entitled attitudes that some people come along with I feel like um success like small success constantly just grows people's heads so big like out of nowhere and you're just like you just did one thing you have to keep going you have to keep going right just have a big head and have entitlement out of nowhere because that's gonna actually ruin you yeah the the path doesn't stop Mm -mm. no the road doesn't stop you have to keep going you have to keep thinking outside the box I mean 
if you want to grow, I, for me, I feel like I hope I continue to grow until I die. I want to continue to become a better person, become a better mom, become a better wife, you know, become a better friend, all these things. And that all comes from just hitting some speed bumps. You know, that's what life is. I always say you never learn anything from the easy parts of life. And so, um, you know, I kind of went through a, a, a few dryer cycles in my life, <laughs> not just speed bumps, like like a full commercial <laughs> dryer that I was thrown into and spun around continuously for about 10 years. Um, <laughs> but um, I'm good. My hair's here. Like, yeah, I'm fine. I'm still standing. Do you um, meditate? Do you take the time to journal and all that? You know, I do write a lot and I do talk a lot which is why this podcast is kind of a good thing for me but um I just got into this guy I read a lot so I think that was my saving grace as a little kid when I was going through a really abusive household is that I just escaped through so many books was it like physical abuse or was it it was physical and it was it was both it was everything it was neglect it was yeah it's interesting because I just got hypnotized the other day for the first time And so it was really scary because he starts counting you backwards and you have to picture this staircase, right? And then when he snaps his fingers, you're back as a baby in your first child at home. And I don't know what happened to you. I was a mess. I was crying so hard. I could hear them screaming at each other. Oh, wow. I just, it was, I was right back in that really scary place again where I'm a baby and I'm in a dark room and they've just left me right there. That's why for me, like, I hug my children so much. I They didn't hug me. They didn't say, I love you. Mm. I'm proud. Of, like, it was like, and then they also beat me, right? And then said some really awful things to me, like, I'm going to rip off your head and shit down your throat. Wow. When I was like four, okay. five. Yeah. So, um, but listen, it's all good because he, it was interesting getting hypnotized because I went back there. I don't want to punish my parents. I they can't be in my life right now because it's a really not a healthy thing for me. Um, and I did try. I tried many years and many years of therapy. But when he hypnotized me, the thing I loved about it was that he sort of envisioned had me see myself as my adult self and also my baby self. Hmm. And he had my adult self pick that baby up and like comfort her. It, it was really, it that was, must have been it was a lot. Gnarly. It was gnarly. And then he had me write a letter to my parents that said, um, thank you. You did the best you could. I've got it now. I've got it from here. I've got her. And uh, basically walk out and sort of shut that door. And it was so powerful because you think that you've forgiven, but I haven't. I keep telling, like, I forget, no, they're fine. Well, yeah, I wish them, God bless them, whatever. But there is something probably still inside me that still hasn't forgiven them. But that one thing of working with the sort of this coach and going through this hypnotism thing, which I was like, okay, what's this bullshit? Um, it really made me feel, I just came out of it and I just felt a little more whole. Mm-hmm. And just, I, I, it really was incredible. So as far as meditating, I did have to kind of meditate to get into that situation, to get into the staircase that I walked down. And it's scary. I mean, you're just like, but um, I think me- I think meditation is amazing because you can tap into that part of your brain because what we use four to 6% of our conscious brain. 
And so if we can all just maybe get into that unconscious part that we're not using that's so powerful, but there's so many distractions. So many distractions. Do you do it every day? Do you meditate? No, I try. It's so hard to shut your brain off. Right. It's, it's so hard. Like even if I lay there and just try to meditate and just yeah. like go through stuff, it's like something else. A reminder like, oh, you have this to do tomorrow. It's like, oh. Right. Did I send that email out? Did I talk to this person? Yes. It like won't shut off. So yeah. I even try to do that float. Okay. Um, meditation. Yes. You know what I'm talking about? I do. Yeah, I got claustrophobic and I had panic attacks in there. I couldn't do it. Oh, I can't do those either. I can do it. Yeah. I love the idea of it. Right. But I can do it. The thing I liked about him, that the thing that he said that I thought was pretty amazing is he said, you're going, when you, when he was putting me sort of in this state, he said, you're going to hear outside, right, things. And that just tells you that the world is still moving and working without you. Mm -hmm. So it was, so I was able to hear the dogs barking and I was able to hear all these things, but it didn't prevent me from going super deep into this sort of hypnotic state. So it just sort of gave me permission to not be like, oh, what's that? What's that? It's just like, I hear it, but it's just fuzzy noise on the outskirts of where I'm headed. Mm -hmm. So that was really cool. Yeah. But now it's like, he's like, you need to do it two or three times before we talk again. And then every time I do it's like my phone, you know, I'm just like. Even if I turn my phone off, it's still. It's, it's so true. Yeah. My phone is off right now and I'm thinking the minute I turn it on, oh, it's yeah. probably going to hop out of my hands <laughs> because there will be so many people that rely on me, messages like, where have you been? Because I'm like <laughs> so accessible yes. to people. I know yeah. I was telling John O, now that my phone number is out there, I never really got dick pics before, um, but I'm suddenly getting them. You are. Have you ever gotten any of these? You know what? No. I don't know. Actually, I love the energy I put out there because nobody does that. I'm yeah. all for it. I'm going to keep going with the same energy, but I don't get dick pics. Share the energy because I don't I don't think I'm sharing. I would I like know. a dick pic energy. <laughs> I didn't I know. know I was doing that. <laughs> Obviously from Stranger Danger, right? People you don't know. Just random Instagram. Random. Yeah. Not even Instagram. Like my phone. Like text messages. Text messages. Oh. So now what I'll do is I, and I always think to myself, <laughs> what is the response <laughs> that the dick is looking for? Hello, dick. Yeah. You're beautiful. I don't, Hi. what do you, you know what I mean? Yeah. Congratulations, mom and dad. I, what, I don't know what they're looking for. Why do you know. send someone that? Like, it's like, what response are you looking for? So what I do now is with my husband is, um, because sometimes like he'll flip houses. Uh, and then I'll be like, oh my gosh, I found the most amazing off market house. <laughs> and then I'm like, I go, look, I go, I think this is like $300,000 return on an ROI. And he's just like, Really, <laughs> really, Amy. I'm just like I had to share it with. Son. Who am I going to show it to? Exactly. And then I realized, oh my gosh, my kids' iPads are connected to my phone. So any photo that goes onto my phone. And then I realized the other day, I was like, oh god, I hope I didn't save accidentally, like not delete any of those. Your but husband's gonna like have a prank and make it your screensaver one of these days. But I mean, you would never <laughs> send out like if you were like, I would you send a vagina picture? Never. Never. I, I mean, you would send like at least a, a quarter I just, shot. That's blackmail to me. I can never, ever in my life send any parts of my body that's not covered. I just can't do it. <laughs> the craziest photo I'll send is a bikini pic. Right. That's because an agency's like, I need to see a bikini pic. But I'm right. not like enticing a man with my naked body. But to some random person, you're not just going to be like. No, there's definitely like, it's probably not even theirs. They're just messing with you. Hopefully, right? You think like a girl is sending me like a dick pic she found on OnlyFans? Probably. Or? 
just messing with you. It's a lot of effort to join OnlyFans to find some like really erect you, penis to send. Like, yeah, <laughs> you can just Google it or screenshot it or something. Who knows? People get creative these days. Wow. <laughs> I am so glad. There's too much free time in their hands. I mean, that's I'm, what it is. I'm not just living rent free in their head. I mean, I, there's not even <laughs> free rent at this point. And they're like paying a top premium for a penthouse. It's funny. Apartment overlooking Manhattan. Yes. I hope this does not inspire people to send me any because yeah, I don't, don't want. I don't. No, no. I do not. Do uh, not. No, do I'm not. not ask, I'm not asking. And I'm going <laughs> to get do not. get some of her energy. <laughs> yes. Non dick pic energy before we get done today. Who needs it? I don't. Yeah. I don't really understand Mm-mm. that situation. But then again, I've never been on because I'm older. I've never been on dating. Have you done a dating app? I did um, one. I did Bumble. Okay. And, you know, the good thing about this town is it could be good or bad it's a small town so I think like more than half of the people on that app I knew personally oh gosh and I would look at the app and then read their bio and I'm like okay do they have a fake name or they were using the real name no they're real real name so is bumble like it's people that kind of like this is not a good comparison like offer up or facebook marketplace it's a great comparison it's exactly what it is so it's local (laughs) it's people that are within the vicinity yes you can do your radius um okay you know two miles i can't remember i have i had it like i'm super horny half a mile oh tender (laughs) is more like a hookup okay so tinder is like straight up you're a mile away let's meet up oh let's hook up link up uh Bumble was supposed to not be that way, but then it started to get creepy. Okay. But the women have the power to text the men first. Oh. So you don't get random inboxes. But So I like, mean, is it a female-owned business, Bumble? I think it might be. Wow. I don't know. Maybe. Okay. But um, yeah, I just, it's just, it was a lot. Of, I had a lot of pen pals because the conversations usually went nowhere. It was just like, you get to know these people and then nothing happens or you go maybe on a I date should get on bumble to see if people want to sell their house you should <laughs> it's a great way be <laughs> like just get to know them because nothing really like romantically ever nothing came from happens it. and then you go on dates and it's like a forced interview you know what i mean Ooh. i hate those kind of ugh. i never i did it for like i think a month and i was like nope yeah again. i never did the pole blind date thing Mm-mm. although i don't think i could go on bumble i think i have to be on like silver singles or something right <laughs> If well, I ever didn't have a... I don't even know. I mean, they're like have, an age limit. <laughs> no, no age limit. There's like specific ones for like elite people too, like millionaires. Oh. Um, there's like classes of dating okay. apps where you don't have to get on the Tinder. You know what I mean? You can be more appropriate with. That's the, amazing. Yeah. The technology. It's crazy. Everything is at your fingertips. 100%. That's why there's so much, so many distractions. That's true. And impatience, and you know, you just want everything now. That's true. You don't want to work for it. You want it now. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I never thought about it. Do we think this is going to change anytime soon? We think it's going to get worse. It's going to get worse. Yeah. Yeah. I think the power of social media has ruined a lot of things, and it's also enhanced the way that we think. I've learned a lot through social media. As lame as it sounds, TikTok is an amazing educational platform for me because I follow like. Not just the girls that are like shaking or dancing. Oh, I but like, like real dance. Yeah. yeah. I follow like investors, uh, real estate investors. Like there's people with actual cool profession that are give out amazing tips or just okay. like you learn so much. Or just like. What about Clubhouse? Are you life, on Clubhouse? Life hacks. It's amazing. Okay. Just on like TikTok. the stupidest little life hack. I'm like, why did I not ever think about doing that? I mean, my life's so much easier. Um, no, I'm not on Clubhouse. Yeah. Clubhouse is interesting. Clubhouse to me, um, 
I don't know what they're doing with it. I don't know if they're trying to go public with it, but to me, it's such an energy suck because you get brought into these rooms, right? Same thing where you're going to have a lot of people that might be giving you some knowledge about something you don't know about, like crypto or, you know, mm-hmm. stocks or what's happening with, um, you know, the Middle East or what's happening. But um, it's like you're just listening to these people talk and talk and talk. And, and it's just it kind of goes all over the map and you have to have you have to be invited onto mm-hmm. the platform. So I just... I don't know. I got to stop. I have like, I don't know how I have the push notification because every now and then it's like I'll accidentally be in the room and they see me and I'm like, oh shit, right? Because mm-hmm. then you're trying to find the leave quietly button so that they don't know that you're actually like, no, I want to ghost. I want to ghost. Leaving. <laughs> oh, it's so funny. I'll have to check out TikTok and yeah. see. You would, yeah, you should start one like today. Okay. Especially with all the stuff that you're doing. Maybe we'll do it. We'll, maybe we'll do a TikTok. To. You, you could to. teach me a dance. Yes. Or it doesn't have to be a dance. It could be a tr- fun transition introducing your show. So fun. But you should you should definitely do it. Okay. It's a great way to reach millions and millions of people. Yeah, it does concern me. Social media does concern me a lot only because of the filters and just the non-reality. And then also, you know, for me, like when I was going through my whole infertility struggle and trying to have my kids... At the very end, I had two frozen eggs, embryos, and two fresh. And I just said, I can't do this anymore. Mm -hmm. Just put them all in. And whatever is meant to be will be. And so I ended up with three. And then the third never developed a heartbeat. So I had a vanishing triplet. But at that point, I just didn't care. I just, whatever was kind of meant to be. But, you know, you have a lot of celebrities that come out and, they're just popping out twins do you know how hard it is to have twins i mean could not imagine just just a little you know um just one pregnancy seems like a lot yeah just a a a little bit of a human body um you know uh lesson here not that anyone wants to know it but you know women drop down one egg one egg per month Mm -hmm. and that is the one egg that can potentially get fertilized to become an embryo and therefore go on to become a child one that those odds are really rough right so it's like you know you could take medicine that makes you drop down more than one but the fact that you to have twins like i said naturally is a really like high the probability is really slim and so you have a lot of people having twins and they're not being honest about it and then you have all these other women with there's a lot of fertility problems. Now, I don't know if it's because of the food that we've been eating 100%. with the hormones 100%. and the pesticides and all you know above. all of the above, the preservatives that we have in our food. So I don't know what's happening that people are having a hard time with their fertility. People are obviously waiting later in life to have kids. Mm-hmm. That, that doesn't help as well. But just be honest. I went on The Doctors finally, the show The Doctors, to talk about my struggle with infertility, my cancer, the DES, because I wanted people to understand what I went through just to have my kids. Right. Because it's just giving people like a little bit of hope once again, instead of like, I woke up like this. You know what I mean? (laughs) This is like, whatever, you know, I get a little bit of Botox. I have to, I'm 50 years old. If I don't, I'm going to end up with such deep lines that then I'm going to end up having to fill them with something. Mm -hmm. So, um, I want to be honest and tell people, and I just wish people were more forthcoming. And again, the filters, especially for my kids, it's like I showed them Photoshop because I used to have to Photoshop my models, you know, pimples. They had no money to pay for, you know, Photoshop. I got really good at it, but 
they need to understand that what you're seeing is not reality. And there's a few people that are brave and that'll say like, you know, filter, non-filter, whatever it is. Right. But for the most part, I think people are just getting so addicted to that flawless sort of look. Um, and it's just scary. Just scary. Scary 100%. for girls, especially. That's why tic- uh, TikTok's less, um, there's less pressure to be perfect. Okay. You'll see girls without makeup on it. Okay. Very raw, very natural. Instagram just lost its like lust to me. Yes. Like I cringe when I see Instagram posts now. Yes. You see the fakeness and people try so hard to be like that perfect photo. I'm sure they went on that hike just to take the photo. Right. Drove the other spouse or boyfriend <laughs> or friend insane after a hundred photos. Right. And then they got probably in an argument or they broke up and they left. And then she posted like, oh, best day ever. You know what I mean? It's just, there's so much fakeness to social media and people don't realize it. And the ones that do realize it can, you know, be more raw, natural about it. So right. it's just, it's it's mental health that comes with it as well, which is a scary thing because it's part of life now. We can't avoid social media. I know. It's, it's, it's your, your job is like, how many followers do you have? Is that crazy? How much engagement do you have? And it's like, that's the, how good of a person you are is based on how many people are uh, following you. I I actually was more successful with stuff I've done because I didn't have the distraction of social media. Right. Like I would, I had my, my account private for at least three years when I should not have had it private. That's wow. when it was like the, the peak, thing to do. The yeah. peak time to grow your followers. And I had it on private because I was like, there's so many creepy people out there. I don't want like some random person to know where I'm at 24 seven either. Right. Like if I do go to an establishment, I post after or yes. when, I'm in, when I'm home or, yes. you know, when I'm not there because I don't want them to be like, Hey, you know, or like people go on vacation and they're like, you know, peace from like Cabo and like then their house gets robbed. It's like, how did, what that, did, happen? How did that happen? Oh my gosh. hundred percent. So yeah. you have to be very careful and strategic on what you post and how you post. Definitely. Oh my gosh. I know it's interesting when I was in the modeling industry and, and doing really well, no one would ask us how many followers you had. It had nothing to do with it. It was like you were either right for the job, you look like what the art director had drawn out Mm -hmm. or not, right? You had the experience. And I was just like, okay, well, along with, you know, her Polaroids, can, you know, send us how many, you know, Twitter and this. It's like, really? Yeah, that's what it's really come down to. So you're buying the model's uh, followers as well in a way because they're going to do a post and then they're going to see the brand. Yep. Which she potentially probably bought. Anyways, (laughs) Anyways, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I I have so many random like people that's like, hey, would you want us to promote your your you know page? And I'm I always like mess with them a little bit and then lead them on. And then I go, no thanks. At the end, she goes, I'm never gonna do that. I'm never gonna pay for followers. But it's like their pages have one million five hundred k, and they have like three likes in all their photos. Right. I'm like. The metrics do not add up. It's a little obvious what's happening here. Yes. I get these all the time. Mm -hmm. We're doing a contest where, you know, the Kardashians are going to, you know, give away 100 Louis Vuitton purses and, you know, shout out this. I'm just like, okay, they do that, but they're not going to stay engaged with you. No. Like you need an organic audience. You need someone that really like is connecting with you and wants to see what you're posting or has to say, whatever that might be. So I don't think I've ever seen anyone post that they won something, right? from the Kardashians if you oh, think that's about true. it yeah they've never really posted or shared it that's I've so seen. funny I have a funny story I was in New York I took my uh I took my twins about three years ago I said okay we're gonna split up by the way do you have boys or girls I have one of each oh <gasps> yeah 
Oh. So I'm like, I'm going to take each of you on a trip. Where do you want to go? And they were both so different. So my son, Levi, wanted to go to New York City. And then my daughter wanted to go to Alaska. Oh, yes. And so just two totally... She's my girl. Yeah. I yes. got like a Jeep with her and we were off like, you know, exploring. But he and I went to New York and that was really fun. But I went into Dylan's candy bar. And um, as is, there's some weird cardboard cutout of me that some guy is like holding in his lap, like as creepy creeper as like you real life. Like it's like a car. It's me, a cardboard cutout, like life size. And he's like holding it, whatever. And then that started with like, Oh my gosh, where can I buy the cardboard cutout of Kim Kardashian? And I'm like, I do not look like Kim Kardashian. Not nothing wrong with her. She's a beautiful, but I don't look like Kim Kardashian. I know I don't. Right. And so, um, that just kind of kept happening. Like someone else had the cardboard cut out and they're like, oh my God, you've got Kim in your room. Like, it's not Kim, it's me. <laughs> and so we were in um, Dylan's candy bar and there was like a security guard and he was like, you're back. And I go, huh? And like, we had just gotten there. And he goes, um, I go, no, I, I, this is our first time. He goes, I won't tell anyone, I promise. And I'm like, what is this guy doing? He goes, it's our little secret. I'm like, wow, this guy. And Levi's like, you know, he's like eight at the time. He's like, mom, who's the weird guy? And I'm like, I don't know. Just, just keep moving, right? Go toward the giant Hershey bar, head toward Beeline. And then um, he was like, this Kim K in the house. Like, I'm like, what? I don't, I don't know. I don't see the resemblance. I mean, do you see the resemblance? You're beautiful, but I Thank don't you. see it as well. Do you get anyone? Do people? No, not really. I mean, they get like I've gotten before that kind of look like Sandra Bullock at times. I don't just because you have the same haircut. I don't know. I don't from see speed, it. from speed times. <laughs> um, uh, Lady Gaga's like just from like nose and eyes, like huh? nose, um, and that's pretty much it. Oh wow! I don't really get that I look like a celebrity, but I get that I always resemble somebody that they know. They're okay, like, you look just like my friend. I get that all the time. That's so funny. Yeah. I used to get um, Alyssa Milano. Oh, I can see that. Um, I used to get, uh, oh gosh, Shannon Doherty. <laughs> I, I was can like, see that. Mm. It's a dark hair and the Dark eyes. hair. Yeah. Yeah. And then, uh, oh, Christy Turlington. I liked that one. Okay. I had shorter hair. That's a good one. I like that one. I'm like, all right, I'll take that one. Yeah. And again, nothing wrong with Kim. It's just, I don't, my husband, my husband's Middle Eastern. And so I just confuse him for Kanye. (laughs) (laughs) It's really funny because I had such a crazy comeback the other day. I didn't mean it, but he said something we were talking about ethnicity and he's like, well, we all know you're black from the waist down. Right. Because I have got a big kind of bubble. butt. and then I go, well, we all know you're not. (laughs) But I wasn't meaning it, but it was just like it just came flying out. But luckily, he's such a good sport. He was like. Oh my God, that was the best comeback. It was so fast. Witty. It just literally like came out of your mouth. On it. Yeah. No, but I don't see it. I don't see it. He thinks he looks like Paul Rudd sometimes. Oh. But he's I don't. He's a handsome man. Yeah, he is. Yeah. I don't get that at all from him, but. No. Yeah. But he thinks it. No one said it. He goes, Don't I resemble that guy? And we're all, all of us are like, No. We're all like squinting. You're like, Me? <laughs> Not really. In this light. Yeah. <laughs> Because, like, the Ant-Man, the whole suit, like, the whole entire thing. Aww. So, yeah. We'll give it to him. Sure. Say yes next time. I like, will. Yeah, babe. Uh, yeah, you I look will. just like him. Gorgeous. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you deserve that for sure. So, um, yeah, no. Celebrity. Oof. 
that's uh that's a whole other you, you beast. Yes. Every you can talk for days about your life experiences and all the celebrities you have probably met and encountered and worked for beside everything. Yeah, no, it's uh I was telling John like a whole other story about being in um Jamaica. I was actually on a SAG movie, so Screen Actors Guild, which now they merged with AFTRA finally after so many years. So we're one union, but, um, you know, there are these things called breakdowns. I know you know what they are. And they they basically say, this is what we're looking for. And sometimes they would say, you know, 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 Amy McCarthy or Jenny McCarthy or Carmen Electra. And this particular breakdown said, Carmen Electra, Amy Weber. So my name was in the breakdown. And so my manager called up and was like, okay, you know, tell us about it. Do you have a script, you know, that that she can read? And so it was kind of a funny little kooky movie. And um, Tommy Davidson was attached to it and a few other people. And it was a SAG movie. So SAG to me, you just, it doesn't mean that non-SAG movies are not real. It's just it gives a legitimacy sometimes to them. Mm -hmm. And so... um, Gosh, I could. And the pay is better. And the pay and, is usually uh, better. Yes, and, and the residuals and all the things. Yes, you get breaks. They yes. don't work you to death. Yes. They don't do the sign-in and pencil. No. Yeah. So, sure. um, yeah, and then after, you know, you get double time and golden time. Um, but anyway, so I go to Jamaica to shoot this movie, and the, um, the director, producer guy, it was his first film, so he wasn't really used to sort of set etiquette. So I was kind of trying to give him the benefit of the doubt until he sat next to me um, during lunch and decided to put his hand up my dress and then try to go inside my panties. You're kidding. No, I'm not kidding. To which I basically grabbed him by his throat and said, you don't touch me. And um, Nerve. Yeah, it was kind of a really tense, bad situation. And I thought, you know, at that point, he got the message that this is not something that you do. And um, later that night, I was walking back to my hotel room, and he came out of nowhere and literally slammed me against a door and said, I'm going to bury you where no one will find you. And um, and it was scary because it, I didn't know him. I'm in a third world country, even though people think, oh, it's Jamaica. It's still a third world country yes. as far as, like, the police and as far as government. And so... Um, I, it was the, what made the situation worse is that he was an African-American gentleman and most of the cast and crew were African-American. What people didn't know is I was engaged to a mixed guy back in the States. And so he told the entire crew that I was a racist. Yeah. Even though I you know, was engaged to a half black oh, guy. Dear. So I'm racist. So he tur- tried to turn the whole entire crew against me and it just became like a really, un- they were like saying things to me and I just thought, I got to get out of here. I called SAG. Yeah. They were supposed to come down, and, and they made things actually much worse. SAG did? SAG did, yeah. They didn't do anything. They didn't really have my back, and so then... Um, That's unfortunate. It was really unfortunate. Yeah. yeah, after that, I became like a, um, what do you call it, financial core. <laughs> I just went financial core, which is when you can do SAG and non-SAG. It's oh. kind of like a big F you yeah. to SAG, um, because I thought, well... If you're not going to be there for me, I'm just going to go do non-union. I don't really care. Mm-hmm. And I was vested at that point in the union. So I have all of my, you know, um, retirement and stuff coming. But I was so freaked out. And the guy was, like, not letting me leave. Like, I was, I felt blocked. Like, I couldn't leave my hotel room. And so I had to plot this whole entire escape. And so 
through someone else on production, I paid off the gardener of the resort. And I, in the middle of the night, I laid in the back of his little like mule thing and he covered me with a blanket to get me out of the resort. You're kidding. No, and he met a taxi like halfway down the road and then I laid on the floorboard of the taxi so they couldn't see me to get to like the next town over so I could get out and it was just just this fright just terrible right kind of situation and then um when I got home it was like yeah they owed me a lot of money but for me it was more than that it was like this guy is like a predator 100%. and I've got to stop him. I He can never, ever be on a movie set again. And so I got, you know, Marty Singers, a really famous attorney in L.A., and um, I hired his firm to represent me, and they had to go to Washington, where this guy was, to depose him. And he was threatening my lawyers on camera at that Ooh. point. Uh, so I don't know. Long story short, yeah, he, uh, he did lose. And um, it wasn't, again, I mean, I didn't make any money. I got it's, the money back. It's the principle of the matter the principle that, that now you've protected yes. future actresses, actresses. Of getting harassed the way you did. I mean, God forbid. Or actors. Maybe yeah. it's both. God yeah. forbid some other, you know, person gets down there or is working with this person and they don't have the courage to basically say, stop, no. You know, it's our first film. They don't want to be fired. They don't want to be seen as, you know, the difficult one um, on set. So... I know. Oh, no. I'm always a difficult one. You are. I am. The vigilante. I am. <laughs> but it's with reason. Yes. You know what I mean? So I, I would probably have done the same. Yeah. I, I mean, even the back. The creativity of paying the gardener, that was. Oh, my God. Amazing, I didn't know but, how I was going to get yeah. out. I mean, it wasn't just me. It was like I had a couple people that were sort of on my side and knew what was happening and oh, really yeah. wanted to try to help me. So just through those channels, I was able to get messages out and kind of coordinate the whole entire thing. But, yeah, I need to write a book. That is a wild story. It's crazy. That's insane. Yeah. Missed it. You missed I'm it, John. St- you have to listen now. I'm still, <laughs> I'm still standing, John. <laughs> I'm still standing. <laughs> Oh, that's incredible. Yeah, no, definitely. Whenever you have that book, I'm ready to read it. Okay. I'm sure it's going to be. It's a doozy. Mm-hmm. Yeah, for sure. So, all right. Well, I am just, gosh, bubbling over with excitement. I'm so happy and, and that you were able to come and join me on my first podcast. I, know, I feel so honored. I didn't know I was your first guest. You Thank didn't? You. No, I found out when I asked you earlier. She would have been like, like, what? I'm busy. <laughs> <laughs> I had things to do. Sorry. Right. No. Do my nails. Of course not. Um, but it's been so amazing getting to know you a little Same. bit more and um, just yeah, keep going toward those dreams and don't let anything. I mean, obviously, you would not let anything stop you, but absolutely not. Yeah. Mm-mm. All right. And for everybody else out there, thank you so much for listening and watching my very first podcast and look forward to um, to more of these and to some really amazing guests coming up.